Kimba 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 Radio Broadcast, Season 4, Episode 2, Midnight Rider. I am celebrating 37 years on the radio in South Florida. And recently, I was on a friend's podcast, and he asked me the following question. How did you know you had a voice for it? Because that's not something you're necessarily born with. Like, as soon as you got on the radio, you could recognize your voice. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I just knew I really liked the idea, had everything I loved. Music, creativity, and anonymity. I wanted to be famous anonymously, if that makes sense. Before I play this, uh, yes, your voice does, or used to, (laughs) matter. You wanted a nice-sounding, mellifluous voice to go over the airwaves. So it seems to matter less these days, as a lot of things do in the industry. That said, this is what it sounded like the first time I was on the radio in South Florida. FM 91, hi there. You got Kimba here pouring out two and a half decades of your favorites. So drink up and savor the flavor of South Florida's music alternative, FM 91. (laughs) We call that telephone voice. We're used to anyway. Kind of like when your mom would talk to you a certain way and then the phone would ring and she would pick it up and say, Hello? And that's kind of what I was doing. I was thinking that I had to sound a certain way. And so I was talking from like up here, FM 91. I can still kind of do it. That just wasn't my actual voice. I was just trying to sound like I was, you know, an announcer. So that's how that happened. And then when I got the job on Zeta in October of that year, you could even hear my voice has changed and gotten closer to what it really was. It got a little bit deeper, I think. 94.9 Zeta 4, quality rock and roll. I'm Kimba, and we are just around the corner from 16 songs in a row. We've got Clapton, Classic Dylan, Zeppelin, all this and more starting right after the rock report. Yeah, and eventually I found my voice, which was my actual voice. You're trying so hard to sound a certain way when really, once you lose that and just talk with your regular voice, you concentrate less on how you're sounding. And the words that are coming out of your mouth are a little more important. (laughs) Also, when I was on my friend's podcast, I got to tell this story about the Allman Brothers that I told like a tiny little bit on the episode. It was the last episode of season three, episode five, I Will Survive, when I was talking to Adam Gaynor, singer, songwriter, former member of Matchbox 20. We were talking about how we met. And it involved the Allman Brothers, but I didn't do a deep dive into the actual story because that really wasn't part of Adam and my story. They were part of how we met, but I really wanted to talk with him about us. So that didn't really come into play. But when I was on my friend's podcast, I got to tell this just once in a lifetime happenstance, right place, right time, right phone call kind of story that certainly wouldn't happen today, that's for sure. And I believe I may mention it when we're talking about this. This was there was no cell phones. I didn't happen to have a camera with me. So there there's no documentation as far as film or photos or audio. I can just tell you that it happened and I'm very happy that it did. And it kind of went like this. But we were talking about how we met and we yeah. met at Criteria Studios mm-hmm. because he was answering the phones. 
And somebody had called me while I was on the air at work nights. It was like late 89. I said, oh, the Allman Brothers are recording at Criteria. And if you don't know what Criteria is, it's one of the most famous recording studios. In the world. In the world. It's in North Miami. Eric Clapton, Aretha Franklin, Allman Brothers, Aerosmith, you name it. Bee Gees. They've all recorded there. And um, Tom Dowd was producing. It was their Seven Turns record. And Adam answered the phone. That's how I met him. I didn't know he answered the phone at the time. And they had hit their road manager, Red Dog, called me back and said, you know, why, what do you, why are you asking? And I said, well, because it's cool. He goes, do you want to come and watch them record? And I said, yes. And then I immediately went, crap, because I'm a, I'm a young thing at this point. And I'm like, I just said that I, I worked 7 to midnight. I just said I was going to go to a soundproof building at midnight with the Allman Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> you know their reputation, right? <laughs> I was like, I said, well, I have a colleague who loves you guys. Can I bring, bring him? And he said, him. Yeah, I, another, not another girl. And he said, um, again, 89. Things were. Oh, uh, yeah. Next thing you know, they have guardianship yep. of us. Here yeah. you go. <laughs> um, You're going on tour. <laughs> well, okay, we'll get there. So um, I get Steve Stansel to come get me. We go to Criteria. It's Greg. I think Dickie was there. Butch, J-Mo, Johnny Neal, the blind keyboardist they had, and Warren Haynes were recording seven turns. Tom Dowd was there. Okay. And if you don't know Tom Dowd, Google that. Yeah. Legendary producer. uh, Big time. CD in there of his backstory. Also, he's on Amazon. They have a show um, based on him on Amazon. Yeah. Like, it was, they couldn't be nicer. The one, I will tell you this funny thing. I used to always just think that I didn't understand why Cher dated Greg. Because I just thought, like, oh, I, I, that's terrible to say ugly, but I like. It, and then I met him in person, and he was really a beautiful guy. And I thought, wow, you know how sometimes on on TV, right. all the bad, yeah, you'll see me on the podcast. All the Stop. bad features get picked up, <laughs> and some people. That's why models are models because everything is all symmetrical and stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, whenever he was on video, it just didn't do him any justice. Right. In person, he was a really good-looking guy. I just set the record straight on that one. So then he took Steve and I out to a BW buggy had out in the parking lot because he wanted us to hear the first single on cassette so we could hear what it would sound oh, like, like wow. in a car. And it was good, clean fun. Oh. Right? So we were sitting Love in a car in a, in a bug with Greg Allman listening to Good, Clean Fun. Yes. And it hadn't even been, obviously, released yet. And then we were going to leave... And because Steve's like, we got to go. I would have stayed there all night watching it. Cause, and Greg says, this is another funny story. He's no longer with us. So I could tell these stories. He goes, um, I said, we, we got to leave. He's got to get home. He says, oh, I, was, I wanted to show off for you. So me, I'm as young as I was in my naivete. I look at Steve and I said, wait, wait, he wants to show off for us. And Greg just went like, he goes, you weren't supposed to. Refer- <laughs> 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 that wasn't supposed to be shared with Right, yeah, with, with the was, class. That was- so he, but he thought it was cute. So we go and sit in the room and watch them record part of Seven Turns, the title track. And wow. that's the first time I saw like the little metronome thing. Uh-huh. And I saw how they had already laid the music. So they made the seven turns kind of like they went on seven, seven turns because they had more music than words kind of thing. And I never knew you did that. Like you had the right. words fit the music. Right. So that was really cool. So then, um, anyway, eventually we left and we got to see them a few more times on the road. And I got to be on stage at one of the shows. So I got to see what, it, I think it was Miami Arena. And I got to see what it looked like, how what they see. Yeah. A band of that caliber, right, that right. was like crazy. I got to hear what it sounded like on stage because right. 
I'm not a musician, so right. I didn't know it sounded so different. And then the funniest part, they were like projecting mushrooms and stuff because it was the Almond Brothers. And I turned to look, and I'm like, what is, I was, st- my head was in front of a projector, so my big ass head was on, <laughs> on the screen. So if you're at that show and saw somebody's head, it was mine. But I brought something to show you because one of the brothers, here's, here's the difference with men and women in radio, could be in other things. Ultimately, Red Dog and Steve Stancil exchanged numbers and they became friends. And I guess when they would come into town, as women, we we really could never do that. We could. But since the business was mostly men, musicians, and colleagues, right. they're not if they give you your number and they're significant others, like, well, who who is this uh, Kimba in Miami? Right. You know? Yeah. Right. So it's funny now because I've talked to guys now and they're like, well, your network all these years. And I said, the ladies don't have the network. The guys do, but right. we know. That's interesting. What the ladies have Here is one of the brothers taking a liking to her and trying for the better part of a year to have her come out on the road. This was wow. seven turns or tour in 1990. Tell me what it you is. To, you have to what? look at it. it was, oh, my The tour goodness. didn't start until July, but he yeah. sent this to me in January and just said, like, pick a date. And then they extended it in August, and he sent me another one of these books. The book is pretty cool. It, it's how they used to... Wow. It's their whole schedule, their itinerary, everything? Yeah. Wow. And when he sent me the one in August, yeah, so for for the better part of a year, he was like, come out, no strings attached, you know. Yeah, 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 no strings attached. Wow. That is awesome. They have everything Yeah, you're going to fly me out to the city of my choice, hotel. Wow. So share share with the, the viewers... What kind of you're looking at? Itinerary? Yeah. It's, it's, entire, it's, it's her entire it, you, crew. It opens up with their personnel, everybody on the crew, everybody in the band. It's really cool. And then all the different tour-related offices, which is cool. It's like a, it's like an industry book, really. Yeah. Your own personal industry book. I mean, the amount of phone numbers that are in this book. <laughs> if you were today, if you were like trying to be yeah. go on the road and be an artist, it was like. And now, of course, I'm sure this is all done email, and they, right. or, you know, it goes right to your phone and all that the stuff. Whole, but this the is, whole itinerary. This is 33 years ago. So. Wow. I did not ever go out on the road, and I will not disclose who it was. That's maybe fantastic. in my but when I write my book, I will. There you go. I won't tell you which brother. Wow. That's cool. Thanks for having me, guys. You can find out if you want to see that entire interview, everything that we talked about, and they do a little intro in the beginning about riders. Interestingly enough, with this episode called Midnight Rider, and then we just talk about radio and some other stories. I put the link to their podcast to that specific episode in the bio of this so you can check out the entire interview and if you like what you hear from them you can subscribe and follow to them if you have not already please do subscribe to my podcast and the video version of this can be found on youtube.com slash her kimba thank you for being one of kimba's herd and thanks for listening to me kimba radio broadcast season four episode two Midnight Rider.